30. These were the words that John recorded in the last moments of the life of Christ. After six hours of hanging on the cross, these were his words. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. I just want to look at each one of these verses. And as we take this time to reflect on these verses, as we have been doing as part of the service, I wonder if we could somehow just place ourselves before the cross. We've brought the cross down so that it's closer to us. The cross was something which was very much uh, a crowd control program of the Romans, but it was part of normal life for those who were conquered by the Romans. The cross is so far from anything we can even possibly come to think about in our culture, in our day. Yet this is what we remember. This is what now we reflect upon. So as we look at these verses, my prayer is that in your heart you will see the cross. When Jesus says, I am thirsty, the passage says that he was fulfilling Scripture. And I want to show you some of the scriptures that Jesus was fulfilling. From Psalm 69 and verse 3, about a thousand years earlier it was written, I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. The work of the cross was extremely dehydrating to the point of death. The mouth of Christ would have been absolutely parched. It would have been so dry. And the psalmist records these words a thousand years earlier and Jesus says, I am thirsty, I thirst. He is fulfilling scripture. The second one is from the same chapter but verse 18. And it said, they offer me sour wine for my thirst. There was cheap wine in those days and they would often mix it with water to extend the length that that wine would last. And there must have been some of that somewhere around the cross. Some people say it was the soldiers. It's not really clear. But it probably was a soldier who heard the cry of Christ and offered up some of this sour wine. The final scripture that I want to reflect on from Psalms is chapter 42 and verse 2. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before Him? If the thirst in the mouth of Christ was perhaps what He was going through physically, this was the cry of His heart and His spirit. Jesus yearned to be in the presence of His Father, but whilst hanging on the cross, we know the words and they're on the front of your newsletter. My God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me. Jesus was alone on the cross and these words here are, are written in the Psalms the same time about a thousand years before Christ. 
desperately thirsty for the presence of God. We're all thirsty for something. We're all thirsty for, for something in our hearts, deep in our emotion. We're searching and thirsty for peace. And many people journey all their life searching for peace, searching for something which will satisfy their inner soul. And this psalm captures the only thing that will quench that thirst. I thirst for God. When can I go and stand before Him? The second verse that we want to look at is uh, where Jesus receives the wine with a hyssop branch. The Scripture records that the hyssop branch, which was a fairly common herb in that era, would have been a long branch perhaps, and on the end of the branch they were able to put a sponge and then fill it with the sour wine for Jesus to slurp out of. It's interesting that the word hyssop is used because this has a direct connection back to Exodus. You see, the time that Jesus chose to give His life was the time when Israel was celebrating Passover. And the hyssop branch uh, comes from Exodus chapter 12 and verse 22, and this is what God instructed the people of Israel who were in slavery at the time. He said, take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and sides of door frames of your houses. So, all those years ago, the Israelites put blood across their doorposts. Blood of a lamb, blood of a slain lamb, and they put it so that they might be saved. And then the imagery of the cross that John gives us is this hyssop branch being offered for Jesus to drink from. You see, what was happening was the Israelites would go into their house in Egypt and they would stay in the house for the entire night to be safe. What Jesus is doing is inviting us to enter into Him, His work, His finished work, so that we can also be saved in Him. The Gospel of John is loaded with all these illusions and understandings of the past. And so this was the second verse. The third verse, which says, when Jesus had tasted it, which was the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. The last portion of that verse, he bowed his head and released his spirit, they are specific Greek verbs, they are active Greek verbs. In other words, death did not come to Christ, Christ gave his life, he bowed his head and he gave his spirit. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was an understanding of the day that when you traded, you might get a piece of papyrus, we might call it a tax invoice, and it would say the goods that you received and how much you paid for it. And across there, they would write on there, paid in full. This is the same phrase that Jesus used, it is finished. It is finished means paid in full. Jesus says it is finished. Another way we could look at it is it is accomplished. It is done. You see, Jesus took the worst humanity could offer. He submitted himself to humanity's greatest creation of torture and pain 
and suffering. He submitted his body to that. He was, became a curse on a tree for us. He was humiliated and made shame. In the culture of the day, honour was a very powerful force, much more powerful than we understand it here in Australia. So the cross was an absolute shameful thing. It would have been a burden and a weight that Jesus and friends of Jesus and the family of Jesus would have felt this shame of the cross. The accuser, Satan, would have been taunting Jesus. The accuser was there pointing at Jesus saying, you're nothing, you're so-called son of God and you're crucified on a cross. As Jesus was dying, Satan himself felt a victory for him. But you see, death could not hold him down. He had done no wrong. He had submitted himself to a punishment. He had allowed himself to be beaten and whipped and scourged, mocked, nailed to a cross, and for six hours painfully took in every breath. He submitted himself to this punishment. He took the very worst and death could not hold him down. For when he died, Father God as judge looked at his son and said, you're not guilty, you're innocent. And the very victory that Satan believed he had won became his greatest of all time defeats. Because Jesus overcame death in that moment. The ultimate endpoint of crucifixion was death. And for the Jewish mindset and the mindset of that time, death, death was the end if it was a bad death. You, you ended up living an eternity of, of hell and fire. But death could not hold Jesus down. Death was not the last point for him. And Jesus now invites us to trust him. Jesus invites us to believe in Him because Jesus overcame death. When Jesus says, I'm for you and not against you, He has the authority to say it and mean it. And when you say, Jesus, I believe you, Jesus, help me, He has the authority to say, Father, this one's with me. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all worked out. You don't have to have it all sorted It's just trust and belief that what Jesus did, He did it for you. And nothing we can do can remove us from His love. Nothing we go through is too hard for Him or too much. We too can overcome because of Christ who overcame the cross. When the accuser comes to you and says, you're not worth it, when the accuser comes to you and says, you've failed this, when the accuser comes to you and said, you're not doing enough, we can remind ourselves that we are in Christ, that He won the battle, He overcame death. And when He said, it is finished, paid in full, it means what He said. Do you trust those words today? Do you trust, do you fully grasp and enter in to those words of Christ, paid in full? That means there is nothing more for us to pay. There is nothing more for us to do but to believe that when Jesus says it is finished, to believe that, to take that for ourselves, to allow that to be our reality, to allow that to be our understanding.
It's like this, perhaps. Jesus is a house, and on the front of that house, the doorposts are splattered with His blood. And He invites us and welcomes us into His work, His household. He invites us into His space, under His roof, under His protection, into His hospitality. Jesus invites us to share in the bounty of everything in His house. Jesus invites us into the space where it's almost like we're receiving benefits that we haven't earned. Jesus came so that we might have life and have life more abundantly. Who the Son sets free is free indeed because Jesus said, it is finished, it is paid in full. So what do we do with our burdens? What do we do with the things that we wrestle with? What do we do with, with the things that come before us in our life and become hard and become difficult? Jesus said in Matthew 11, chapter 28, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Romans chapter 10, Paul writes and says, Anyone who trusts in Him, anyone who trusts in Jesus, will never be put to shame. As we come to the communion table, as we come to celebrate the meal that Jesus gave us to remember Him, I wonder if it's an opportunity to bring our burdens to the foot of the cross. I wonder if it's, it's the right moment to fully enter into it again that Jesus has paid in full for your life. He has paid in full for your future. He has paid in full for your past. He has paid in full so that you might enter into His household. I wonder if now is a moment to lay those burdens at the foot of the cross. Because when we lay these burdens at the foot of the cross, what we're saying is, Jesus, I don't have all the answers and I'm not sure, but I'm going to trust in you and leave it there. Because at the cross, you said it is finished. So I'm going to lay the burdens that I feel at the foot of the cross. What is a burden? Maybe you have a burden of hope. Maybe there's something you're hoping for. Maybe you have a burden of a dream, something that you're you're just waiting for the Lord to bring about. Maybe you have a burden of tiredness. You're just tired, feeling and lacking in energy. Maybe there's a lack of peace in your life, real peace. It's like you have these brief seconds when you're not thinking about the problems that are around you, but every other time your mind is occupied with strife. Maybe your burden is health. Your health is not what it should be and you're crying out to God to help you. Maybe the burden is unforgiveness. You just can't let go of that moment. You can't move past that injury that that person sustained to you. you it's, you, every time you, you see them, it, it, it rises up in you again. Maybe it's a burden of sin, something you just, you just find hard to stop doing. You know you shouldn't. It's hard to stop. 
Is anything too much for the cross? Is anything too great in your life? Is any burden too heavy that it cannot be brought to the cross? To the words of Jesus, paid in full, it is finished. I have accomplished that peace you desire, I have accomplished the freedom you seek. In a few moments, you're going to receive a little sheet of paper and a pen. And you're going to have the personal opportunity to write your burden down on that piece of paper. And then there's going to be an opportunity to come forward to the table, to the foot of the cross, and to place your burden into this jar of water. The burden will not be seen by anyone. It will dissolve into nothingness. So there's no risk of someone pulling out your burden and trying to work out what your burden is. You see, water was something which was understood as cleaning, a cleansing agent. Jewish custom used a lot of water for a lot of cleaning. We place our burdens into this water, knowing that it's, it's been taken, it's been paid in full at the foot of the cross. And then as you come forward with that piece of paper, we invite you to take a cup and a piece of bread. You can take your time as you come up. Take a moment to look at the cross. Take a moment to reflect on, on Jesus on the cross. And then in your time, return to your seats with the cup, the juice and the bread. For those who want to remain seated, we will come to you with some communion. And we will come to you with something to receive those burdens which you can place in and we will put them into the jar also. And then together we will remember Him as we drink the cup and as we take the bread. Whilst we're doing this, we're going to also play a song and a video clip. You might just want to close your eyes. You might just want to watch the video clip and think, but our prayer is that you will grasp fully what Jesus said to you. It is paid in full. It has been accomplished. There is nothing that you can add and nothing that you can take away. So this morning we're going to take some time to allow our hearts to enter into what Jesus did at the foot of the cross. I encourage you to release that burden which is upon you into this glass of water.